0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. How are you guys? You good. Um, man, yeah, it is good. You know, the truth is, is what Zach was saying about, you, you, like, you don't want to leak Jesus. You hear people say that sometimes, "Every we go, just leak Jesus." But the truth is, is you're meant to overflow Him because you're always meant to be filled. Never, people are never supposed to receive it at your expense. They're supposed to receive it at his expense, the overflow of your life. Otherwise, you're running out. If the hole's in the bottom, it's a limited supply. And that's how you get people that burn out. That's how you get people that say, you know, I used to believe, or I used to do, or I tried living, and all these different things that lead to burnout is because you're giving out of yourself rather than the overflow of him. You were never meant to live that way. It's always supposed to be a, a continually being filled by Him and continually overflowing that into the people around you and in the world around you. Um, it feels like fallout now, doesn't it? I was I was sick. Um, I think that might have only been like the second or maybe third Sunday I've missed in nine years being sick. And uh, and Dylan did a great job. And Tom the week before. Um, I, I realized something though. Uh, I would way rather me be sick, then Patty be sick. Because the week before I was sick, she was sick, and I did all the stuff that when well, I didn't do all the stuff. <laughs> I did a lot of the stuff that she does, and I told her after that week, I said, Honey, like I don't know how you have time to do anything else. And she said, Would you like me to give you my list of all the other stuff I do as well as the things you've done? And I said, No, no, I don't want that list at all, actually. You can keep your list. I, I get sick, in our house, you know, barely misses a beat. She gets sick and it, the world screeches to a halt, you know? And I have, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just being so uh, overworked and, and working so hard to, to try to keep up, but it is good to be back. Um, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Um, I was thinking about this this morning earlier when I was talking about just how the seasons changed. I, I walked outside yesterday and I felt that cold air and I realized the seasons have changed. Like, you know, you, you know because of the, the, the days and you look at the calendar, but all of a sudden you feel that change of season. And, and I, I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking, man, don't have any season of your life that you give to the enemy. Don't ever allow, he, he can't take any of your days, but he will take every single day that you give him. And so if you're one of those people that says, well, you know, I just don't like this time of year because stop doing that. Stop giving. Jesus died for every single day, every single season. Like, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in right now. You were never meant to live in a season that's apart from his joy and that you're not supposed to grow in your knowledge of who he is and who you are in him. Don't let a season ever have like this thing where you just kind of write it off and say, well, you know, I just every year that time of year and stop that. And, 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 and don't say that because that means that in your heart, you actually believe that and you give that place. And like I said, the devil can't take days from you, but he'll take every day you give him. Like When Paul wrote said, don't give the enemy a foothold, you have to actually give him one, but he'll take every one you give him. He can't just come and take a place in your life. But man, if you give him one, he'll take it every single time. He doesn't miss it. And it's the same with days of your life or seasons of your life. If you just kind of say, well, that season and you write it off, like don't do that. Like start actually seeking him and saying, God, I want to know you in this season. I laid in bed, and I, and, I, and I decided, I was like, if I'm going to lay in bed, God, I, I was frustrated because the whole time Patty was sick, Jackson was sick before her, and Aaliyah wasn't feeling good, and then Patty got sick, and I was praying the whole time, I'm like, Lord, I can't get sick, thank you that I walk in wholeness, I, you know, I just thank you for healing in my body, and, and it was awesome, and I didn't get sick at all the whole time, and then it was like the second Patty started feeling better, I was like, all right, whew, I can get sick now. <laughs> And I don't know that I actually said that, but I think in my heart, I kind of positioned myself that way. Like, I stopped praying and thanking him for, for wholeness and healing, and I, I just kind of relaxed. And I'm not saying I made myself sick, but I was frustrated, because I'm laying in bed, and I'm reading his word, and I see in his word all the promises that he has, and I see who he is, and, and, and then I puke. You know, it's like, thank you, Lord, that 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 like by your stripes we've been healed. And Father, I thank you that every person that came to you and asked you to be healed, you granted for them to be healed. And God, I'm so thankful for that. And I, I would like, I was getting excited, and then all of a sudden, I'd run to the bathroom and throw up. And, and there's this tension, right? That, that's what happens when you follow Jesus and when you, when you actually read the word and study the word and you, and, you, and you refuse to settle for less than what you see in his word. There should be this kind of tension in our lives where we see what the word says, but we also know what we've experienced and the two don't always line up. And it's okay to have that tension of saying, like, God, I'm not exactly sure why, but I'm not going to settle my theology for less than what I read in your word. And so that's where it was. It's laying in bed saying, God, I know I'm not better this second, but I promise you, I'm not going to settle and say, well, I guess this is as good as it gets. It's this tension of saying like, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to see more. I want to I be able to, to, to have and to experience what I read in your word and what I know is possible, what I see is your heart for people, but yet not condemn myself for any time that I don't because I'm in process and I'm growing and I'm becoming like you, God. And so there's grace on my life to actually continue to grow and to to celebrate where I've come from, but never to settle and become comfortable there and say this is as good as it gets. And that's that tension. I I lived with that tension this past week. Um, but I was, I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, there's, there's something I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about more. And it was actually a message that I had been um, thinking about that I preached a couple of years ago, and it was a passage that I've been kind of reading off and on. And so I want you to turn there, and, and there's some stuff in there that, that I feel like the Lord showed me. It's pretty amazing new stuff that I hadn't seen before. That's Matthew chapter 13. We'll start in verse one. It's a super familiar story. Um, and I feel like sometimes there's danger in these familiar stories. I feel like sometimes we hear these, these stories since we're kids. And so we know the end and we know who we should be in the story. And so when we're listening to it, when we're reading it, when we're studying it, we're waiting to get to the part about us. And, and, and of course, us is always the good soil, the good tree, not the Pharisee, the wise man that built his house on the rock. But the truth of the matter is, is it's not always all or nothing. Like we can we can we can sometimes fool ourselves like with whatever we decide the gospel is, you know, if if it's simply just to be saved as in not go to hell when we die, then if we have given our lives to Jesus and trusted him for salvation, then that's where we settle. And so now every story, we're the good soil, we're the good tree, we're the good house, because we've got that one issue settled. The truth is, is there's so much more to salvation. And as we discover the depths of this salvation, we can start to realize that, man, I may be, have some good soil over here, and I may have this part of my life built on stone, but I've got some sandy areas over here. Or, or, or there may be some rocks in my, in, in my heart still, even though the, some of the soil in my heart is good and is producing fruit. And I think it's wise for us to like not like hear these familiar stories and, and, and just like lump ourselves into the good part. And kind of endure the rest of it, waiting for them to start talking about me. And think that maybe there's something in what Jesus spoke that pertains to us, even beyond just the point of heaven or hell salvation. And so Jesus was talking, this is what he said. He said, That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And the large crowds gathered to him, and so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out, and others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive. God, that this is never a once-and-done Have you figured out, move on to the next, Father, that that you continue to give depth of revelation, that you speak truth upon truth upon truth, that you build line on line, precept on precept. God, I thank you that we do have ears to hear. I pray that that the Spirit of God, that you would come and open our ears to hear, that we have the mind of Christ, that, that you would take everything that is his and make it known to us like he promised, that our hearts would be this, even as we read about here, the good soil, that the seed of the word of God would make its way down deep into our hearts and would produce what it was intended to produce in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus explained this parable, but how many of you know that there was probably more meaning to it than just the simple meaning that he gave the disciples that day? I have to believe that because he said to them, I have many more things which I would like to tell you but you couldn't bear them all. In other words, like, there's so much more than what I've taught you in the things that I've said. He said, but when the Spirit comes, he will take all that's mine and make it known to you. And I just believe that, that, that in, in a lot of these stories, there is a basic truth, but as we grow and as we dig in and as we press in and ask God for a revelation, there's deeper levels of truth and more revelation that comes. And, and so um, I, was, I was reading this, and, and, uh, and I was thinking about the different kinds of seed I mean, the different kinds of soil, and I was thinking about it, and it says the road, and, and I, I, God showed me this a while ago, but, um, but the, a road to me is a path. It says some of the places say it fell upon the path, some say it fell upon the road, but it was hard ground. It said the, the, the sea just laid right on top of the ground, and the, the birds of the air came and stole it away, and I was thinking, what makes a road or what makes a path is something that's well-traveled, that's worn down by the feet of many men. Over time over years and I started to think about how many places in our lives where where, where maybe we're following a road that's well traveled that's well worn by many feet of many men it's worldly wisdom it's conventional wisdom it's things you've grown up hearing your whole life and yet it's not coming from the mouth of the Father and it actually makes a hardened place in our heart where the seed of God's word can't come in and take hold think about how many things you've been taught over your life that if you're not careful it's the way the Bible talks about there's a way that Seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death right and so think about these things like there's these well-worn paths like you've heard these things before i'll forgive but i won't forget how many of you guys have ever heard i mean i don't know if you have ever said that for sure but you've heard it because you have heathen friends But think about it. No, listen, these things get said and then they get adopted into the way that we think. And if we're not careful, it actually changes our heart and makes our heart hardened in that area because we're walking down that well-worn path that many men have walked down before without ever considering, who taught me that? Who told me that? god you can see it in his reaction the very first time that something comes from the mouth of a man that didn't come from the heart of the father he says i, I, I knew that you were naked and i was ashamed so i hid who told you that In other words, like who told you you were naked who told you you needed to be ashamed who told you to that didn't come from me he's shocked he, he hears something come from man's mouth that didn't come from his heart and it's the same thing with us. Like we should probably ask ourselves at times, like these things that we live by, of like, well, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Where do you find that in the heart of the Father, who said, "I am the Lord their God, who will heal their sin, forgive their sins, and remember them no more"? By by His own very mouth, forgiveness from Him carries forgetfulness and not bringing that back up. This is He defines it for us. But then in, in, in good well-meaning well-intentioned people in the church will come up and and say things to you like well you know forgive them but i would never forget it's like man where did that come from it's just one of these worldly wisdom things out there like like are we i've heard people say this in church well you know trust is easy to get but it's hard to get back where is that in the heart of the father where do you ever go to God and him say to you, well, yeah, I heard this before. I trusted you yesterday and look what you did. I'll have to wait a little while and make you prove it to me. Now, think about this. Like, we say these things have found their way into church. And they completely contradict the heart of the father as revealed in scripture. His mercies new every single day. That means every day when you wake up, he's watching over you, hoping and believing all things because he's love. And that's what love does. And if you screw it up again for the 400th straight time and your heart is torn and your heart is broken and you come before him and father, I'm so I've done it again. And he never once looks at you and says, well, you said that yesterday. Why should I believe you today? You know, my trust is easy to get, Roy, but it's hard to get back. Can you imagine the father saying that to you? Why would you ever give yourself permission to say that to another human being? I can just picture the Lord like watching his children and the same way he did with Adam, going, Wait, who, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you? Who told you that? Who's teaching them this? It's these paths, these well worn trails, the wisdom of this world and worldly reasoning and logic and psychology and all these things have blazed these trails. And they're so easy to walk down because so many people have walked down them before. And everybody will agree with you unless somebody loves you enough to look at the, what the word says and listen to what's coming from your mouth and say, Who told you that? Anything that you're thankful the Lord would never say to you should never come from your mouth to another human being. If you've ever thanked God for an attribute of his towards you, you should never give yourself permission to act less than that towards somebody else. And so so we have this thing where it's like these, 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 these sayings just get tossed out there. I mean, how many of you guys grew up in church thinking that it was in the Bible that God helps those who help themselves? Don't raise your hand, we're filming. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, really, we, we, we say these things, and, 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 and we repeat them often enough. That's why Paul said, be careful for the fine-sounding arguments. It's the, it's the thing that sounds good. It's the one that gets repeated often. It's the one that most of the world would live by. That's why we're called to be a peculiar people. It, that doesn't mean go be a weirdo just so you, people will say you're weird. Like not weird for weird's sake. It just means when you live your life according to the word of God, it should look weird to people who are not living their life the same way. Like you're not trying to be weird. You just are. No, really think about it. Like it's weird when somebody does something to you. Listen, this is weird. Weird is a man hanging on a cross looking at the people who hung them there and more concerned for their souls than his pleasure and pain. Father, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. That's weird. Equally weird is a man looking at people who have rocks in their hands and hatred in their heart and murder in their eyes who are about to end his life here on earth and the same thing comes from his mouth. Father, don't hold this sin against them. That's weird. That looks really weird to the world when they're about to stone this man to death and all he cares about is their soul for eternity rather than his body momentarily. That's weird. It's weird when somebody does something to you that would cause other people to run from you, from them, and to hate them, and to condemn them, and to label them, and you actually forgive them, and you pursue them, and you love them. That's weird enough. If God calls you to do something really weird, you know, and and crazy looking, that's cool. Do what he's telling you to do. But just following Jesus is plenty weird in a world that's going the complete opposite direction. Just loving people, loving, truly loving people is super weird in a world that is so full of manipulation, where love always has a string and a hook attached to it, where I love you is only said to get an I love you back or to get something in return rather than for the sake of love itself. Just love people. You'll be plenty weird. (laughs) Trust me, and he doesn't need your help. (laughs) The life he calls you to will look weird enough on your own. You don't need to help him. So when we have these these pathways, and, and see, this is what I mean when I say it's not all or nothing. It's like you can have areas of your life where you are completely submitted to the word of God. Where if someone was to come to you and say something, that was unbiblical, you would look at them and say, well, that's not true because the Bible says, well, that's not true because this is what the Word says. Like if someone came to you and said, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to get to the Father. Like, you know, Jesus is cool and that's awesome and that's one way, but man, there's a bunch of different ways. You'd look at them and you'd say, no, that's not true. Why not? Because Jesus himself said that there's no way to the Father, that I am the way to the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. And so in that area of your life, you're, you're the, the seed of God's Word is producing the fruit of belief and faith and, 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 and you, would, you would reject something that wasn't true but let somebody come along and tell you something that feels good and agrees with where you are in a different area of your life, and you might not be so quick to reject it. I mean, not, none of you guys, but I've heard there's people like that, that will allow things that make them feel good where they are into their life, and even adopt it into their language and begin to speak them. And you know what the worst thing about that is? Is every single time something that's not true and doesn't proceed from the mouth of the Father comes out of your mouth, you help to pave that road for the next person that's walking. And you make it a little easier for the people following you to walk that same path. I would start talking about how Jesus said you will be judged for every idle word spoken, but then you guys would start like, thinking, I'm trying to condemn you, and I'm not... But he did say that. (laughs) You know, I think an idle word is, I think it's a word that contradicts the word of God that's clearly been spoken. I don't think it means, like, you know, you're going to get judged for sitting around talking about the score of the football game. I think it means when we allow our mouths to be something that pave a way that leads away from him rather than to him. And he said, others fell in rocky places where they did not have much soil, and, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. And I, and I, was, I was thinking about this, and, and I feel like these two some, in some ways go hand in hand, um, that a lot of times when you start down the path, it makes it easy for rocks to find their way into your heart. Because I feel like the, one of the biggest rocks in the heart of Christians is probably offense and disappointment. You just think about this, right? Like, in this world, people do things... Like Jesus said, offense would come. People are going to do things that, that don't feel good. People are going to mistreat you. People are going to wrongfully accuse you. People are going to sin against you, willfully sometimes. And every time that happens, you know, we talked in the Word a lot about people being casting stones as being a thing of sin. And, and every time someone does that and they cast that stone at you, that stone falls to the ground. And I feel like that at some point in our lives, we have to deal with the things that were done to us in a healthy way. Because you can say to someone, I forgive you. But if you don't actually deal with what happened and pursue the heart of the Father in that situation, that that stone that was cast at you might find its way down into your heart. And there's an easy test. God showed me this in worship during the first service. Do you want to know an easy test of how free your heart is from stones? Is that you have a hard time finding any in your hands to throw at others. Because you have to get those stones from somewhere. And I believe we reach down into our heart and grab those stones and throw them at others. A person whose heart is free from stones has a hard time throwing them at other people. And you know the truth of the matter is, is sometimes we have a pet stone. Christian people have a pet stone, something that somebody did that they carry around in their hand, and it's their stone to throw at anybody anytime they want to keep people away, to keep pain away, to make excuse for actions. And sometimes we truthfully, we have this pet stone. Listen, if you have a pet stone in any relationship in your life that you carry around and it's your trump card to shut down any conversation or any time that somebody would say something to you, you really need to ask Jesus to help you to get that out of your heart so that it doesn't find its way into your hand anymore. It's getting quiet in here. It's the truth. And, and this isn't this all or nothing thing. Like, you know, you say, well, I prayed and I asked God and he said, I take their stony heart. I give them a heart to know, to know me, a heart of flesh, and I'll write my law upon their heart. And that is all 100% true, but also true is the part where it says to guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life, which means that though you had a heart who was completely cleaned by Jesus when you came to him and you gave him your life and you yielded and surrendered, if you're not actively tending to the garden of your heart, there's a chance that maybe there's some pathways that are developing there that are not made by the words of God. There's a chance that some have found their way into there and this is the thing here's the problem with it is that you can look for all the world like you're doing okay with the things that have been thrown at you but if you're not actually dealing with them though your root you, though your thing may, you know your little plant might the seed might spring up and start to look like something and people you can look at you can stand in front of people and say well i forgive them i forgive you but not actually deal with what happened And there's no real forgiveness there. That's that plant that springs up, but it doesn't actually last long enough for there to be a crop produced by it. And the point of the the seed is not just to produce a Christian that looks like Jesus for a moment. It's to produce a Christian that looks like Jesus to the point that they reproduce something that looks like Jesus. If you have an easy time filling your hands with stones, You probably need to get alone with God and ask him what's going on in the soil of your heart. Ask him to show you some things that maybe you haven't dealt with that have started to accumulate. As I promise you, there's an easy way to tell that you have dealt with something healthily and there's no unforgiveness there. And that's that you can't ever find yourself picking that thing up like a stone and hurling it at somebody. That's healthy. Healthy is when they're accusing you of something and they've done something worse than what you, they're saying to you, to you, and you've so healthily dealt with it in the way that the God deals with your sin that you can't even find it in yourself to bring that up and hurl it at them because it's not part of the record that you're keeping of who they are and what they've done because love doesn't seek after its own and it keeps no record of wrong suffered. Love and stones can't coexist. They compete. They're not happy to be together. They're both competing for the same nutrients. One wants to destroy the seed. One wants to fertilize it and see it reproduce after its own kind. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. I I feel like these kind of make one makes the other easier if you've got a path in your life that's not by him and you've allowed things into your life that have caused your heart to get these stones to accumulate and you've got some, some things in there that are not from him, it becomes easy then for thorns to grow in and choke out. And I feel like thorns are basically anything that would compete for God's attention and time and place as Lord of your life. Think about this. Like in most Christians' lives, it, lives, it will be good things. It's Jesus talking to Martha. Oh, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things. But Mary has chosen the one thing. What were the things that Martha was worried about? Were they sin habits? No. She was actually worried about cooking and cleaning up and showing hospitality. Things that the Bible actually commands us to do. You realize hospitality is a gift, but your gift was never to become something that consumed you to the point that it replaced your need for the giver. Think about it. This is what happens. This is why there's, there's, there's ministers out there who, who they're building a great name and they have an amazing ministry, yet they feel alone and empty and broken with no real relationships because they've made every bit of their focus what they're doing rather than the one they claim to be doing it for. That's a recipe for burnout. That's a recipe for things to crash and burn. I promise you, listen, it, it, it can be really good things. You can be a worship leader and spend your time honing your craft and writing songs and worshiping and leading people in worship and lose sight of the fact that you're no longer actually pursuing him. You're pursuing the, the, the worship gift that he gave you and the talent that he gave you. And all of a sudden, the sound of worship has become the worship of sound. And now everything is focused on this doing and we've left behind this one and we have forgot the fact that you can't lead somebody to someplace that you're not actually going yourself. And pretty soon you're no longer a worship leader. You're a performer on stage using their gift. And you could look at it and say, well, look at the fruit of it. Everybody's worshiping. God has no intention of you doing something that produces fruit in others' lives at the expense of it producing fruit in yours first. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. He is never interested in you performing. He's never interested in you doing something. Listen, and this is the temptation because if we look at this as all or nothing, we'll look and we'll see fruit and we'll say, well, then it must be good because there's fruit. And the truth of the matter is is that if we can't sustain that fruit, then it wasn't good to begin with because he's not interested in you being a bottle rocket that goes up bright, makes a big explosion, and then is used up and crashes back down to earth. He wants you to continue to burn for him more and more and more and more and more so that you know him more, so that you love him more, so that people around you know him and love him more because there's more of him in your life because everywhere you go, you overflow. It's not this one experiential thing. And here's another thing too. You can have an area of your life that is producing fruit and have other areas of your life that aren't. And if you look at it as all or nothing, you'll point to the area of your life that is producing fruit and excuse the areas of your life that aren't producing fruit because of the one that is. And this will be your defense against healing in this area right here. That's not how it's supposed to be. I, I wrote down in, in, um, in worship in the first service on my phone that not every believer will see fruit in every area of life, but every believer should see fruit in every area of life that he's called us to. So you look at other people's lives sometimes and you can be condemned by, well, uh, look at the fruit they have in this area. Has God called you to that? If he hasn't called you to that, celebrate with them the fruit that you see in that area of their life, but don't feel condemned about the lack of fruit in that area of your life because everybody's not meant to be all things. But on the same hand, don't take one area of your life that is fruitful and let it be your defense against the Lord searching your heart and bringing conviction for about areas of your life that aren't. Because that can be a really easy thing to do. There's one standard. He's Jesus. Everywhere he went and everything he gave himself to produced fruit. If it's not producing fruit, guess what's, guess what's the fault doesn't lie? Where the fault doesn't lie? The seed. Because it was the same seed that was sown on every one of these soils. And he sowed the seed with the same intention every single time. What was the intention? The intention was this, the good soil. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. You know how you know the soil of your heart is good? It produces a crop, it produces fruit, it actually produces something. And it's not just something that looks good. That's the plant that, that withers and dies. It looks good for a season. It's something that can actually bring nourishment and enrichment to other and life to other people. That's the fruit that produce the, the seed that produces a crop. Think about this. It says a hundred, sixty, or thirty. Here's the danger in simply looking for fruit. What if I'm only producing thirty? And I could be producing 100. Have I ever asked myself, God, is my life producing all of the fruit in that area that you would consider 100 fold return? Or am I settling for fruit, but I'm at 30 when God desires for it to be 100? See, I never thought about this before. I thought as long as there's fruit, then it must be good soil. But the truth of the matter is, is even amongst the good soil, there's 30, there's 60, and there's 100. And I promise you, it's not the seed's fault that it's only producing 30 here, because it's the same seed falling on every bit of good soil that's producing 30, 60, and 100. There's a soil issue, and some good soil is better than other good soil. Some good soil is capable of producing a greater harvest than other good soil. And now I'm starting to challenge myself and ask myself this thing. And I would, I would just ask everyone to do the same thing. And start asking myself, God, what does a hundredfold return look like in this area of fruitfulness in my life? You may be operating at a hundredfold return right now. You may be doing everything that you could possibly be doing and seeing the most fruit that's possible from your life and your talent in that area of your life, and that's awesome. And this isn't to cause like frustration or condemnation. This is simply to say, like, hey, let's not just settle for simple fruitfulness when there's a, an abundant fruitfulness that's mentioned in here that's possible. God, what is it in my life? Is there something I need to yield? Is there something I need to learn? Is there something I'm holding on to where I'm keeping myself from operating in the highest level of fruitfulness possible? Because I want you to get everything that you pay. Paid for from my life and start asking ourselves that see this is why i think we have to be careful that these parables don't become this all or nothing thing where we're like we we know who we are in the story you know it's like he's talking about the wise man that built his house upon the rock and 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 so we immediately assume he's talking about me when he says that but the truth of the matter is is you could trust jesus with your salvation and have a hard time with areas of your life And you could be building part of your house on sand over here and part of your house is built on foundation because you've trusted him that he is the only way to the Father and he did die for my sins and he did give his life for me and I've made him my savior, but I have a hard time with actually surrendering this part of my life to him. I'm doing my own thing over here while most of my house is being built on rock. And be careful that we don't let this be an all or nothing thing, that we look at one part of our life that's built on rock and assume the whole story is about us. And realize that there may be some things he wants to put his finger on and say, hey, this is built on me. This isn't. Who told you that? This thing that's been coming out of your mouth that you've been saying over and over again, where do you find that in me? Actually, let him convict us. Don't just let a path be. Because here's the thing here's an easy way to know if it's a path that's made by worldly wisdom that's keeping the word of God from doing what it wants to do. Is it actually producing what you read in the word that it should produce? Is it producing the fruit of repentance and the fruit of righteousness in your life? If it's not producing that fruit, there may be a problem with the soil. And so I just want to ask us like, you know, we've been talking about hearing God, and we're going to continue to talk about that and get into like, the gift of prophecy. What does it look like to hear God for other people, and how does he speak that way, and stuff like that. And I'm excited about that, but, but before we even get into that stuff, I want to say this. Like, it's one thing to ask God to speak. It's a whole other thing to take what he says and actually live by it. In fact, some, some, some of us would maybe be better not asking him to speak more if we haven't done the things that he's already clearly spoke, because we'll be held accountable for what we've been given. To whom much is given, much will be required. There was a time where you could claim ignorance. Now that God has spoken, you know truth. There's a requirement to live by that truth. And so I just want to make sure that as you know, we, we talk about hearing God, that we balance that out with this idea of like, it's one thing to hear him, it's a whole other thing to take that and actually incorporate it into our life. But you realize that Jesus said that about the people, that, the two perils. I'll close up with this. But when he said about the, the, the wise man and the foolish man, he said, I will, he who hears my word and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. He says, basically, two men are building houses. You just think about that. Like, they're actually doing it. They're building a house. And for everybody watching, both of them look like they're doing the exact same thing. From the outside, everything looks right with both houses. And it says that they were building their house. He says, now now to him who hears my word and does not do them. I will liken him to a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. He said, and when the rains came and the storm came and the wind shook, then the house on sand collapsed and great was its collapse. The house on the rock stood firm. It's not just hearing him that made a difference because both people heard him. And both people were trying to build something, were building their life on something. It's actually hearing him, and letting that be the thing that I build my life on. Not things that people have spoke over and over again that feel good because it justifies me in my situation. Let the word of God challenge me. Let it break up that hard ground. That's how that hard path gets destroyed, not just for you, but for the people that are walking behind you that are following you, that are listening to you, that are watching your example, you break up that hard ground by the word of God coming. And, it, and, and the rain and the water of his word softens the ground. And suddenly there's humility comes and there's repentance and there's this understanding that I've been living my life in this area of my life based on something that didn't proceed from the mouth of God. And that's okay. It's not okay to keep doing it though. There's grace. There's forgiveness. But now comes the responsibility of saying, God, would you break up that hard ground? Or maybe I'm someone who easily finds stones in my hand to hurl at other people, or I've got that one pet stone. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say the pet stone. I felt it when I said that. I didn't say that in the first service. When I said it in the second service, I felt that some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about the pet stone that you carry around. Listen to me. Ask him to help you deal with the issue in your heart so that you can't reach in there and grab that stone out ever again because the grounds become soft and tender. And now it can receive the word of God and actually bring forth the fruit that the word of God is supposed to bring forth. Or maybe there's things in your life that are good things that have taken the place of the best thing. It can happen. It feels really good to use the giftings that God's given you. And a lot of times you'll see fruit. And that can make it even easier to go in that direction. But the truth of the matter is, is it's never meant to be a replacement for intimacy and time with Him and love for Him. Your gifting was never meant to be a reason to come between you and Him. It was meant to be something that draws others closer out of the overflow of the time you spend with Him. There's good things that Mary, Martha was doing. Think about it. There's dishes and there was food and there was all these things that we're commanded to do. We're commanded to show hospitality. It's actually, hospitality is listed as a spiritual gift. It doesn't get talked about as much as some of the others because it's not as glamorous because sometimes it involves a bunch of dirty dishes and people that need to be fed. But it's amazing. And it's no less a gift than any of the other gifts. But Jesus said, listen, Martha, Martha, here's the problem though. It's right now. It's time to be with me. There'd be plenty of time for that other stuff, but you won't get this time back. Mary's chose this right now. You could choose this too. And then when I leave, then there's plenty of time for all that other stuff. And you'll be doing it out of the overflow of what you receive from me, rather than begrudgingly wondering why others aren't doing what you're doing. There's an easy way to know if what you're doing is out of overflow. You don't care if anybody else is doing it or not. You're still gonna do it. If all you look around and see what others aren't doing, and even if you're doing, you're keeping record of what everybody else isn't, you're not doing it out of overflow. You're probably doing it out of Martha. You might even be doing it because other people aren't to give you even more reason to be right and find wrong with others. That'd be horrible. Because Martha was so aware of what Mary wasn't doing, Yet I promise you this once Mary was done sitting at the feet of Jesus and he left, she probably floated into the kitchen, cleaned the dishes while worshiping God and not thinking one thing about who wasn't in there helping her because she was thinking about the one who was in there helping her. So just let's let these stories be new again. You know, like let these parables be new again. Like let's read them like it's the first time. We're born again, so that's settled. So it's not just about that anymore. There's a depth of of revelation in these things that's greater than just this one truth, right? There's there's, There's a lot contained within that truth. And as we discover what it is to be born again and to walk after Jesus and everything that he paid for on the cross, we discover there's so much more to this Christian life than simply going to heaven one day when we die and not going to hell. And all of a sudden now, we, these stories can become new and fresh, and we read them like it's the first time, and ask the Spirit of God, God, come and show me the soil of my heart. Show me any paths in my life. Show me any stones that are in my life. Show me anything that's tangling me. You ever been entangled? Paul writes that to Timothy. He says in, uh, in Ch- Timothy chapter two, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, he says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. You ever been tangled in thorns? Like, literally, physically tangled in thorns. I, I have. I, 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 I bow hunt. I know. Yeah, I bow hunt. and I've been tangled. Colin's been tangled with me. Colin marvels at my ability to get tangled in the woods. It's a, it's a gift. But it's like, it's like sometimes, especially at night, right? We're, we're Like, I, I, I bow hunt, so we shoot deer. I know there's people in here that buy their meat at Whole Foods where they grow it. No animals have to die. <laughs> yes, that's right, kids. Just believe that Whole Foods grows your steaks. But for the rest of us, that know that you have to, something has to die for us to eat that delicious meat. Uh, we 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 were bow hunting, when we we're bow hunting, and sometimes you know we shoot one in the evening, and you you let them go for a while, and so it's pitch black dark, and we meet up and we start tracking these deer together, and and you're so focused on looking for the next spot of blood or whatever it is that you're following to find this animal, and you've got this limited scope of view to this flashlight and you don't even notice things around you because you're so focused on this one thing and then all of a sudden you go to take a step and something tears at your cheek and you look and you've got a green vine that's wrapped around your face and it's snagged on your cheek and, and your feet look like dwarves have been following around wrapping vines around them the whole time you i don't even know how you could get so tangled without trying and you're just stuck and you can't move forward you are tangled You're ensnared. The thorns have wrapped you up and they have actually stopped you from moving forward. And sometimes when that happens, the best thing that you can do is just stop trying to go forward, back up a little bit, get free. If you've got a friend that can help you with it, it's really, really helpful. It is. But I mean it in real life too, like like in spiritual matters. It's really good when you find yourself tangled if you've got a friend that can help you with untangling. And you cut those vines away get rid of them, undo them. It's good things, without even realizing it at times, can start to entangle around us. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves one day stuck, hooked by thorns, and not able to move. And it happened slowly. It wasn't like you made this evil choice. You just continually gave more and more, and the problem is there's only so much of you that you can give, and everything that you're giving here you can't give there. And things get out of proportion and things get out of whack. And all of a sudden you realize, man, I've been giving so much of me to this that I'm missing out on the one that I want to really give to and that I need to receive from. So let these stories be fresh. Ask the Holy Spirit. Just get alone this week. Read that story over and over again and ask him to show you your heart. Ask him to show you if there's any areas of your heart. He wants to help plow. You realize that when you drive and you see a beautiful field with no stones, it's only because somebody's tended to that field over and over and over and over again. It didn't just grow that way naturally, and it doesn't just stay that way. It has to actually be intensely worked to make sure that as things pop up, they're dealt with in a healthy way, they get out of there so that they're not competing for nutrients for the thing that they want to grow. An unattended field will become overrun. They'll get choked out may end up being a path that people just cut through on their way to somewhere else god we thank you for your word thank you that it's alive god i just thank you for for showing us god for loving us enough to not leave us anywhere god but to always call us into more father that your word never comes to condemn us and and accuse us of where we're not god it always comes to convict us and challenge and then show us what's available what's possible Father, I just pray that that we would let these these words of Jesus, let, let them be new and fresh again. God, don't let us just read through the story to get to our part, but realize that maybe there's part of every bit of it that speaks to us, Father. That we would be humble before you, God, and allow you to speak to us. And then we would be doers of your word, that when we hear you speak, we respond by doing what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.